evening, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Geeks Who Haunt. Tonight, I'm joined by the, by the holy Jesus Christ. Holy shit. You were joined by the holy Jesus Christ? I've upgraded. <laughs> Does that mean I have a cult? <laughs> yes, okay. Everybody, it's Chris Chipman. <laughs> okay, he's here joining me to talk about America's popular j-horror the grudge maybe not the best reviewed but one of the top popular ones that you know you think j-horror and you're like oh yeah the grudge yeah it's super iconic like it's one of those things i think that people didn't even see necessarily and know all about it at least know all about the you know major ghostly things in it which is kind of cool yeah so right off the bat you know it was poorly reviewed, like I said. It had um, a tiny budget, but it had a huge profit when it came out. Uh, it is based on an urban legend, as I'm sure everybody knows. Um, it's an urban legend based on Japanese folklore. Um, the director was Takashi Shimi, Shimizu. <laughs> uh, he was the director and the creator of the original Grudge movies the the actual japanese grudge movies yeah i first watched this probably early 2000s when i was maybe 12 um and it scared the living shit out of me god but it's one of those movies that i will sit down and watch no matter if it's on TV or if somebody's looking for a horror movie or whatever, I will always say, yeah, I want to watch The Grudge. Because even to this day, certain scenes still give me the heebie-jeebies. Nice. Yeah, it's 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 certainly um, scary. Uh, it, uh, you know, I my first um, exposure to J-horror was The Ring, Ring You. And yeah. then the, the remake of that came out. And that was extremely successful, both with audiences and critics. And I had seen both grudge Japanese films. So I was psyched with this one because, you know, it's Sam Raimi producing, you know, it kind of I think this might have started or been one of the first of his ghost house productions um, productions there. And J-horror is just such a unique thing. And um, I love that the U.S. embraced it so much. And Mm -hmm. I love that they let this guy kind of give him a bigger budget and do his movie. In in two thousand four ish, when I saw this, it did also it scared the absolute crap out of me. There, there's something about the fact that a lot of the things happen in broad daylight, you know, in in a house. Fact that it's non-linear and it just shakes you up and messes your brain up even more about what's happening when, and what you know, Bill Pullman jumping off the building at the beginning really means. Um, oh, yeah. it's it, it's all really cool stuff. Um, I will say, watching it again this time, I don't know if I'm just I watch too many damn horror movies. But the striking fact that it was PG-13 and almost nothing gory happens on screen took some of the bite away from it for me. Uh, and, yeah. it's only, and it's only because I knew what was coming. Like the first time watching this movie, the first time you encounter the ghosts in this, it is intense because you don't know what they're going to do. You don't know why they're killing people or how they're killing people or what any of it means. But, you know, they get so much mileage 
out of how iconic, you know, every J-horror seems to have the girl with long black hair trope, but does it so differently. I had forgotten, you know, that she, the whole point of her is like in the, the, the noise she makes was that her neck was broken by her husband. And, yeah. you know, and the, the, you know, her clothes, it's not clothes, she's wrapped up in plastic. And it's just like, oh, this is messed up. It is a nasty little movie when you really get down to it. It really oh. is. Oh, yeah. Well, and then the fact that the, you know, when everything is revealed at the end and stuff like that, that the husband was so pissed off, he even killed the goddamn cat. Yeah, like, it's, br- it's brutal. And that that's something I think that has a translation problem. Um, You, you know, I, I think that, like, and I don't mean translation, it, it just, it's not as much of a trope in U.S. horror movies of a, of a person getting so angry that they go that completely ballistic without more of a struggle or more of a reason. It's just like, okay, so she was obsessed with another guy, but the way they film the scenes of him freaking out. And again, I have, I've never seen the third and I've never seen the 2020 remake slash redo. And I know we're going to get to those at a point. So I don't know if there's more backstory given, but it almost makes me feel like the curse didn't start with her. Like the husband almost looks possessed by rage more than he's just angry because they they show those flashbacks. He's got like a Silent Hill, like twitchy thing. You know what I mean? And it's like and I and I I was waiting for them to like deliver on that. And they don't. Well, well, I get I guess that's kind of where the second one comes in, which we'll Mm. talk to talk about later. Mm. Um, So I guess you could kind of tie what happens in the second one to how he acts in this one, because, you know she's the reason um but yeah no there's there's just something about the way japanese or even just over in asia the way that they do their horror compared to what how us americans do it like even though it is a pg-13 just the the background scenes the the tense lead-ups and stuff like that it it does something different than we can, than I feel like we really do over here. Like I know there's some um, new horror masters out there that are that kind of do it and stuff. But back then, I mean, this was this was a big thing. The way that Takashi had done it and stuff. God, it was gro- it was groundbreaking. No, the yeah, the the, the the ring and these movies are groundbreaking because they oh, were God, yeah. they were creepy things happening in very very common situations and even like you know we're used to haunted house movies and haunted house movies are the house immediately looks off and something immediately looks wrong and something is immediately dangerous but here here it's like you know what exactly is going on a a thing that that i both love and don't like so much because it's overdone but i think this one in the ring do a really cool job of shaking it up is that the movies break their own rules. And I like when movies break their own rules in the way that these ones do, even though I still call BS on it after a while. Cause sometimes it's just, well, cause sometimes it's just, especially when your budget is limited, when it breaks the rules and how the ghosts show up, yeah. it kind of, but, but I love the idea that you're, it's got nothing to do with you and this house in this situation. It has to do with, it sticks to you. It won't let yeah. you go. And so I, I love the, like, you're in your apartment. And and it, it kind of has an, it follows, it, it follows did a lot of some of the similar stuff of, it's just an impending doom. Like, if you know it's coming, 
it's like less interested in getting you immediately. <laughs> so it's just kind of like toying with you. And it's just like her, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character getting chased. You know what I mean by it? But, it, yeah. you know, it, it's it's kind of it's like a zombie, right? It's just kind of wandering around. And, oh, I'm going to get you eventually. Um, I, I love uh, the sequence, the sequence that's always stuck with me. That is the most I actually am surprised, you know, I guess the rest of the movie has to be toned down enough to make this work. But um, was it T Toshiki, the, the girl who was the original or the first um, made to go missing in this film? The, oh, the, uh, the housekeeper. Uh, what was her name? Because uh, she because she's the same actress that Yoko? played her in the original. Yoko. Yoko. Yoko, yes. And, and that's another thing that I thought was cool is aside from Sarah Michelle Gellar and a couple of the main characters being American. Um, which was part of like, you know, the culture shock yeah. of it. The rest of the cast is the same cast as the original movie, which I think is ah. really cool. Um, but uh, when when you when it's revealed um, with Ted Raimi there, Sarah Michelle Gellar's boss, yeah. which I think it's great that anytime I see Ted Raimi, I get excited. But his death scene is horrifying. The rest of them are kind of, you know, creepy girl just gets up in your face and then you, I guess yeah. you're dead. I guess you're dead, but he, he, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, um, convinced that she might've ate him <laughs> like just yeah. the, the tongue hanging out jawless thing was just such a great gore effect. Like yes. probably one of the creepiest things I've seen in like 20 years. <laughs> okay. So I want to go back to what you said about mm. the, the, about it breaking its own rules. Okay. Yes. So I was trying to just, Ulrich and I were trying to discuss it after watching it. Now, at first, you would think that it's that it is. Um, oh God, what is her name? The the Grudge Lady. Um, oh yeah, why can I never remember this? I want to call her the name of the girl from the ring. Uh, Kayoko. Kayako. Sorry. Kayoko. Kayoko. Kayako. Kayako. So, <laughs> Kayako. Um, now is she, now at first it seems like she is the one that it that is the curse and everything, but then it. Later on, you know, everybody that goes into the house comes out cursed, whether or not they've had any sort of interactions with her. Like, like, okay, so the the husband and the wife die. It takes forever for the mother to die. The sister was only in there once, but the grudge decided it was gonna hop on that bandwagon and hunt her down in her in her apartment and kill her. So it kind of doesn't make sense in a way because like, like why why did it decide to go and kill the sister sarah like right that that's the part that gets hairy to me is it's like why was it keeping the old woman alive was it because yeah. it was it because her i think i the thing i like to read into it is it's because her existence in the house was bringing them hosts because oh, whatever okay. the grudge wants it wants like it can't leave unless it latches on to you is uh, okay. I think is I think the rule. So the that, more that people, so if like police come investigating, it's like you know field day for the grudge because it's just like I know, sweet. but none of, <laughs> but but none of those police officers, everybody that were that was in that house, you know, when they found dead bodies and Sarah Michelle Geller and stuff like that, none of them got haunted. Well, I mean, except no, for the they, one they said they did. Remember that main cop did say that his two partners went missing. Yeah, but at the from the original murder, not from. Um, oh right, well yeah, yeah. That's and that's the thing that that's why I question the original murder. The original murder created the curse or let the curse in. 
But mm. that doesn't mean I, it, it's all very hairy. And again, it's J horror. They all do this. So it's not like this one movie gets to be criticized while all the other ones don't. It's just, no, it's I these know. very big lapses in logic of, you know, if it's, if it's a hate based grudge and not a demonic based grudge, That's because true. demonic demonic, you get more of like a, it has a need. It's like, this is almost like, like an electromagnetic pulse, right? Like it just like, it's kind of there. And if you get caught in it, it kind of, it's like a virus that won't leave you alone, but some people get killed by it quicker and some people don't. And then we get to the second movie and it just breaks its rules completely, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. (laughs) But what about that damn phone call? What the Gretsch, she can now use a fucking telephone to figure out where you are. And they they did that (laughs) a couple of times and I didn't like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, no. at least with the ring, they get the, yeah, she can inhabit videotapes and TVs. Yeah. So it's like, she can get anywhere done. Like, you don't really need to explain that much more. Other than how'd yeah. she get to the videotape from the well, who created the videotape. That's a completely different issue in and of itself, but. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I, I gotta say, the creepiest stuff in this movie is when Kyoko is j- just the shadow and yes. causing lights to shut off. That to me, any horror movie that does that you're stuck in a hallway or a tunnel or a stairwell and the lights are turning off below and above you, that to me is my personal hell. Oh, God, <laughs> I can't yeah. deal with it. Yeah, like like when the sister was in the stairwell at her job and everything yeah. and she and Kyoko was coming up from uh below and the lights were shutting off and the lights were shutting off from above, and you could just see her like cracking and creeping all the way up those fucking stairs like super fucking fast like i have goosebumps right now talking about it bro yeah like- it's it's, <laughs> it, it's fascinating because and, and this this is what i like you know you hit the nail on the head the critics definitely had a field day with not really liking this one yeah it, this movie is extremely effective it's kind of a mess of a movie but it's really effective and it's it so is, yeah. goddamn cool looking and the the creature designs. I want what I don't understand is Kayako is always creepy Kayako, whether she's you know floating around in the sky coming out of mm-hmm. the hair and the ceiling. She always looks like the creepy, disfigured thing. How come the little boy goes from being completely and utterly like demonized like cat mouth kid? Yeah. Um, to just being his normal looking self, like at free random. Yeah, I don't know. I would have to kind of do what you were saying, like with the grandmother, like maybe it just drew more people in uh, to have. Right. And I think we only if if I'm not mistaken, we only see the boy that way when they're in the house. So I guess that might be that there's the multiple timeline thing happening. Like when she walks in and sees her, she sees the other people alive. They're not really alive anymore. Or witnesses Bill Pullman coming there. I mm. guess that's what we're seeing. But it kind of seems like it does it when the when it's like, well, we kind of need this person to think that it's not that creepy right now. So it'll be a regular little boy. Yeah, <laughs> you that's, know? that's I don't true. Know. Yeah, it's a little convenient. So I want to go ahead and talk about the Grudge too now. I mean. Because yeah, we've kind of we've kind of talked about you know how broken the first one is and everything like that. Oh, but I and love it. Um, we should we should also say to bring us into the grudge to how the first one ends. Yes. So the first one ends with um, Sarah Michelle Geller's boyfriend going to the house to try and find her, um, and Sarah Michelle goes to the house to try and save him from uh, 
from the the curse and everything. Um, she gets there and um, uh, she sees everything that happened in the first murder, the first thing, what what the father did to the whole family and stuff like that. And then uh, Kayako comes and does the weird, I don't know, sucky thing on the boyfriend. I don't know what that's called. It's like she takes their. It's like she took his soul or something from him and he died or something. Cause, yeah, you know, and he's just like, dead in the corner. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she ends up uh, burning the house down. And then, you know, we see that she's in the hospital and the boyfriend is dead and everything. And But uh, they were able to put out the fire. So, of course, the curse was never uh, broken on the house. And I guess... And then, mm-hmm. and then they do that jump scare thing where Kyoko is just there. And then, so you would just assume, okay, so Sarah Michelle Geller is dead. Yeah. Cause, um, cause she goes down to the morgue or whatever to, yeah, um, to identify to, the boyfriend. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she's grabbed from behind from Kyoko. Yep. So you kind of, yeah, you, you assume she's dead. Um, and then the second one opens with, um, Sarah Michelle Geller's mother, getting a phone call that, you know, she's in the hospital and her younger sister, um, oh gosh, what is her name? Uh, I forgot. There's what the so many, there's so many girls in this that I started getting confused, which one was which. Um, yeah. So we'll that's uh, Aubrey. Aubrey. Aubrey, right? Yeah. Amber Tamblin. There we yeah. go. Uh, Amber Tamblin shows up, you know, and the mother tells her that she has, that she's going to Tokyo to bring her sister back home and stuff. Lots then, of family drama. God, yeah. Lots of family drama. You were never as good as your sister because she, for some reason, decided to leave us and go to Japan, and that makes her better. I, yep. I, okay. <laughs> yeah, and they, of course, are, don't like each other or don't talk to each other or are estranged or whatever. So, But uh, what is it? So she's at the hospital, right? Yeah, she's at the the sister goes to visit her at the hospital. And in the meantime, we get that like they keep jumping back to the three girls that oh, are that's school right. girls. Yes. And the school girls like dare that new girl who again I kept getting confused with Amber Tamblin for a minute, and yeah. I don't know why, to go into the closet in the house and she sees Kayako and they all run away, and then so the curse is haunting them. Yes. So, yeah, it does. It jumps back and forth between them. So while that's happening, because that is happening on, in a different timeline than when Amber Tamlin is going to see her sister. Right, because at the very opening of the movie, before any of this, we have a similar to the Bill Pullman killing himself scene where a mother walks out of the kitchen <gasps> oh, yeah. and dumps freaking bacon grease on her husband's head and kills him with the frying pan. Yeah, and, she just whacks him right over And the then we it. don't revisit that for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah, no, there was so many timelines in this one. I gotta say, the payoff for what was going on is actually kind of cool. They just had a few too many different timelines happening. Yeah, because, I mean, they all come together, but it it kind of confuses you for a few moments while you're watching it and stuff. So then um, we're back with Amber Tamblin getting to the hospital to visit Sarah Michelle Geller, gives her like a, she's coming for me. She's coming for me. Kind of one of those crazy things. So they tie her down and drug her. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then 
Well, when she's there, remember, she also meets that journalist or whatever. Yeah, who's been, like, following the case and has all the information. So here is Mr. Exposition for the rest of the film. Yeah, and those two get together, and then while they leave, Sarah Michelle Gellar is visited by Kayoko, and she breaks free of her restraints and goes running through the hospital. And, you know, every turn, you know, she can see her, she can see Kayoko in the darkness and, you know, behind other nurses and stuff. And then eventually... It was actually finds... a cool sequence. It was oh, a gosh, yeah. creepy sequence. Yeah. No, it was. Especially when she uh, was, when Kayoko was behind all of those nurses and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then ends up finding herself up on the roof and everything. Um, and, of course, she ends up being pushed over from Kayoko, which, as she falls, that's when her sister and the journalist are walking around the hospital talking and splat right in front of her. You so. know, and, and while it's a really cool death, again, I go into these breaking rules things. Why does Kayoko have to kill Sarah Michelle Geller that way when yeah. she has been shown in the first movie to basically suck people's souls out and leave them dead. Yeah. She could have just left her on the roof or later in this movie, just pulls them away into oblivion somewhere completely. Well, <laughs> well, well, maybe it was Sarah Michelle Geller killing herself so that the grudge didn't get her. Oh, that's fair. That's very fair. I, I, I thought Sarah Michelle Geller was one of the high points Acting wise uh -huh. of the first movie. And oh, yeah. as soon as I saw her show up in this one, I'm just like, oh my God, she is dying in the first five minutes of this. I was very happy though that they brought her back a few times in like flashback yes. scenes. Cause I'm like, I really hate when they do that with an actor when they're like, yeah, we didn't kill you in the last one, but we don't really know what to do with you. <laughs> yeah. I kind of. I kind of wish that she was in it a bit more, but I like that she wasn't at the same time only because, you know, I like Sarah Michelle Gellar. I wanted well, to too. see more of her, but at the same time, it's like, well, you got these new characters. Now we kind of need a reason to push her sister into, you know, going to her house, to the apartment and seeing Sarah's research and everything and uh, get her to go on this whole journey and get herself all cursed and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> God, even though I watched this movie like last week, I can't. No, no, it's okay. I, I so, so I think then we get back <sighs> to, we we go back to the United States for a period of time in Chicago, and we go back oh, to yeah. the to the apartment building where we see those two people that got into that altercation at the beginning, happy mm -hmm. as a clam and moving into an apartment, and they're uh, for some reason living in one apartment, and their kids are living in another apartment. Which seemed really weird. I think it's because it's like a stepmom kind of thing. So he's oh. giving them space. And then the kids see that girl in the hooded sweatshirt being brought into the apartment down the end. And she's mm -hmm. really creepy. And she rummages around in the trash and takes newspapers out and is covering up the windows. And then we cut back to um, the girls in school and the, her two friends being systematically taken out by Kayako and the curse. Yeah, I have to say that the uh, Japanese schoolgirl, I had I had always thought it was really creepy that she had an older American boyfriend and that they had gone to a love hotel. And I just, I didn't like that. Like, I've never, like, I always thought that oh, was kind of creepy. Oh, it's super uncomfortable. And in itself. But then the whole fact that she got sucked into a mirror in the love hotel. Like, I don't know. Yeah, know. that was, it's It's almost like it, you kind of go, well, the curse saved her from that. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then I do love that this brings us to, you know, the, the, the blonde girl is still alive. And then she basically goes and tells the guidance counselor what went down. And the uh-huh. guidance counselor is like super helpful, but doesn't really believe her. And that's a cool little payoff for later in the movie. But um, God, yeah. Then So then we get back to Amber Tamlin and this journalist guy trying to figure out what the hell happened. And they realize that Kayako had a mother yeah. who like, and, and I love every J horror movie does this. And I'm glad that they, you know, the, the red herring, you're going to find a family member and it's, you know, cause the ring, that was the whole thing, right? Her mother was deranged and crazy and ended yeah. up drowning her in her well. And that's what starts the whole goddamn thing. And in this, you're like, cool, we're going to meet the mother and there's going to be an explanation. And the mother's just like, yeah, I did some weird freaky deaky shit where I was taking curses out of people and, you know, um, and or demons or darkness out of people. And my daughter had, you know, a connection to the spirit world. So she was helping with that too. But no, no, no. What we did was good. It was that freaking crazy lady's husband that went nutty on her for being stupid that caused all of this. And you're just like, shit. And then you get that you brought her here and then she kills the mom. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, no one is safe and no one can save us. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So I do want to say though that the that the director Takashi did not want to give Kayoko a background to begin with. Oh, he cool. kind of yeah, he did not want to give her a background. He felt like it should have just kind of stayed the way it was, but the studio forced him to. Interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I'm so, trying to remember because that definitely isn't how it went down in his original version. I know that. Yeah, I don't remember quite how it did, but it, I, I remember both of the the Japanese films are way cheaper, but I remember them being a little bit more um, satisfying. I guess would be the word overall. I haven't seen them yet, but I really want to, and it would be really cool to compare them to these movies just so that just for just for myself because I haven't it's, seen them. It's yet. great. It's great to see a direct because I, I will say this: I think both of these films are far better than The Ring 2. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is The Ring 2 is directed by the guy who made Ringu. So they basically said, we're going to make an American version of your movie and hire you to make a sequel to it. And he botched it. So the fact the fact that this guy was able to make a couple of movies out of his existing thing that were, I I feel, not terrible. Like, you mm-hmm. know, they might not have aged all that well, especially the second one, but they're very clean, pretty-looking movies with really good scares. Like, the scares definitely work. Yes and no. Like, I felt a way more underwhelmed by the second one. Oh, I agree. Um, no, I, I agree with that completely, for sure. I don't know. I felt like there really probably shouldn't have been a second one. Like the, It's a little the- convoluted. Yeah. <laughs> so, only, so, sorry, go ahead. No, I was keep keep going. I just I, I don't wanna um I don't wanna stop you from finishing recapping what happens in number two. That's all. Oh god, no, you're probably gonna have to do it because like I said, even though I watched it last week, oh, I, no, rem- no. I remember nothing. So so <laughs> so, so so we no, so we follow her and the reporter guy around, they meet the white the mother and then they re- or she meets the mother while he's going to the house. And then we realize shit's completely oh, fucked. Yeah. So she runs to the house to get there and he's already gone in. So she has to make the decision to follow him. And I think she's got the plan again that she's going to burn the fucker down. Um, I think that's the the other thing that comes to a realization. But so we, we go through that 
and they I'm trying the house. They um, they leave the house, and I'm trying. He and, dies, right? Yeah, he. They go back to his apartment, and he is. Um, oh, in the in, in the movie, in, in his the, red room. Photo, the photo red room, right? Yeah, and she comes out of the photo and uh, kills him. That was really cool. Um, it was, and then, yeah. And then she, I forget what she she calls the mother, says that the sister's dead. Um, the mother gets all pissed off, and then you think she's gonna have like her Ash Williams moment and go and end the whole goddamn thing. And I forget; it's really funny. I just I forget what happens to Aubrey. I know she doesn't make it. Too. She doesn't make it. <laughs> I know. I know that. Yeah, I feel. I feel really dumb. Um, this because because it all gets us to the there's. I feel like as as dumb as this is, and and I'm just gonna talk while you look it up. That way we won't lose anything. That Amber Tamblyn's story should be the most interesting one, but it's a red herring to do the bait and switch on what was going on back in the Chicago apartment. And, and I feel that's kind of a bummer because Amber Tamblyn's thing of like chasing her sister should be our main protagonist. And the movie just goes, yeah, but these other three schoolgirls were kind of the, the main story the whole time. And it's just like, come on guys. <laughs> you, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, that's right. Um, when Eason dies, Aubrey goes to, uh, Aubrey goes back to the house following an image of her sister inside where she right. where she encounters uh, the father and they reenact the night he discovered his wife's disloyalty and ends up snapping her neck. Oh, you know what? And it's, it's funny that I don't, that that doesn't have as much of a register because I actually gasped during that because PG-13 horror films don't usually show a killing. And the way yeah. they did that scene, I'm like, holy shit. And that's where the movie gives the, yeah, you thought it was just Kayako doing this shit the whole time, huh? No, every single freaking thing touched by this house can go on a murderous rampage and you're all fucked. And that that cool camera pan around his back when he snapped her neck and just the look of horror. Like, I, oh, yeah. I, I react very poorly in movies in general when women are restrained and like something is about to happen to them. But in most horror films and action movies, especially ones where you followed the character the whole time, it's usually a payoff of they're going to get out. And when he yeah. turns the thing and like you hear a neck snap and I'm like, Oh shit. Yep. <laughs> like this movie just kind of went, yeah, you shouldn't have cared about that person at all. Yep. <laughs> so then we cut to our uh, actual protagonist, which is the, well, the little boy. Oh yeah, the it, little boy. Sorry, I keep yeah, forgetting about the little um, boy with the parents in the in the uh, in the. Yep. Yeah, uh, the little boy and his sister uh, return from school to see that his parents are dead. Well, the, uh, the father's dead, and the mother is acting freaky deaky. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he runs from the apartment, and he runs into Alice in that. Um, who freaks out on him is like, you know, save me. She's after me, everything like that. Um, and then, well, no, you know, there's it. You missed one bit because the, 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 there was a cool reveal as to why it was Allison. Did I? There? Yeah. Yeah, that was the thing. No, Allison goes back to the guidance counselor again to tell her all her friends are dead and that she wants to go back to America and go home. And the guidance counselor at the school is acting a little weird and goes, well, what are you talking about? I went in that house too and I don't have a curse. And then the girl goes, oh, yeah. but both of my friends are dead and this is my 
favorite scare in the whole movie. They cut back and she looks like Toshio with like the deep inset eyeliner around the mm-hmm. eyes and goes, they're right here. And both of her friends are there. And then Kyoko's there and she bolts. And that's when we yeah. go back to the apartment to the reveal that the creepy girl in the hooded sweatshirt has been Allison the whole time trying to escape the grudge. That's that was right. And that's why it's inhabited her apartment building and has caused her mother to kill her father and her mother to drown herself, I guess, was the eventual thing that happened. Because there's that really cool thing in the bathtub with, like, the mom, what do you mean? I'm fine, honey. And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. My God, I can't believe I forgot the Well, like I said, this the, the problem with this movie is that there's just too much of it. Yeah. That, that, that's 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 the big thing they had a lot of ideas and they almost don't like whereas the first movie i joke that it broke its own rules at least we had a consistent protagonist to follow in this movie they they played they played almost like a jj abrams mystery box thing with what this girl in the apartment was the whole time yeah. and it just kind of makes you go huh well jesus i kind of wanted to spend more time with that character now why did you make me follow aubrey around the whole time <laughs> you know yeah um and then you know while they're having a little thing kayako it uh appears in the darkness of of her hood and pulls her down into her hood which was cool doesn't yeah. make any sense but it was cool <laughs> and then kayako fills out the hood hoodie and attacks the boy and that's where the movie ends yep so apparently the curse continues yep I uh, I can say something about it, but it's going to spoil some things on number three. And no, I it'll be fun. I can't, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait because I, I was actually super jazzed to hear that the 2021 had happened. And I heard it wasn't that great either. But like, uh-huh. I just, I, I like anything that like revisits something after a period of time. So I'm psyched to see it, even if it isn't good. So yeah. I, um, you know, it'll be fun. But yeah, I'll, I'll definitely say this. Both of these movies are scary. They definitely are. They they're unique. They they are unique. They are completely different than a lot of things out there. Um, I still say like you know even though they aren't that good, they're like C movies and stuff like that. Maybe maybe B movie for the for the first one and C for the second one. I still recommend that anybody goes and watches them if they haven't seen it. Like you're you're gonna get some good scares and it's still entertaining enough. So why not? Oh, I agree completely. Both of these come with a high recommendation for me. And that's that's complete with me saying that I was a bit underwhelmed by the first one after seeing it now because it scared the crap out of me then and it still scares me now. But I was like, I thought this movie was better, was kind of my reaction originally. But the second one is well, they're both very serious these are not like jokey like tongue-in-cheek horror movies these are very this is serious down and dirty like stakes are real people die horror movies um they're not like scream right it's not like a joke like making fun of the genre but um yeah the second one just gets a little too interested in being convoluted for its own good like you know the first one kind of had a memento thing going on where this actually makes it more interesting with the stories kind of happening non-linear and the yeah. second one kind of went, yeah, we just kind of doubled down on that. And it feels a little silly now, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. But th- they come with a high recommendation, especially if people have never seen a J-horror movie. Like oh, these gosh, are the yeah. perfect ones to start with. Because this imagery, it will be burned into your head. 
Oh yeah, you'll never forget it. <laughs> never. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's that's it for the Grudge one and two. Join us again later on in the season for number three and four. And Chris, go ahead and plug your stuff. Hey, I'm Chris. Um, these people here are very, very, very good friends of mine. And um, I love being able to come on both regular Geeks with Shields, Geeks Who Haunt, Geeks of Grimdark, whatever else you guys come up with. <laughs> I'm just so I'm just so happy to have podcast friends. Yeah, I'm I'm the Chippa. You can find me at the Chippa Made This. I make too many things. Um, I make the Chippa <laughs> The Chipman Brothers Tangent, Creating Geeks, Shooting the Shit with Chippa, the Talkbuster podcast. I also make Hopped Ones, and I make my newly released show, This Made the Chippa, where I'm going through every year of my life and talking about movies and events and stuff that happened then um, for nothing more than just to see how interesting it'll be to go through 36 years and see how much things have changed and how much things have stayed the same and you know what made me who i am today um i also do hopped ones which is a beer drinking version of the show hot ones the chicken wing eating spicy wing eating show um we just did our first virtual version of that recorded it went for three hours i can't wait to edit that um, <laughs> and we were all very hungover in the morning. So be on the lookout for, be on the lookout for that. You can also go to patreoncom slash the Chippa if you're interested at all, because, um, me and these folks on geeks who haunt that you're listening to now do this stuff for free. And so if you want to help us out and get acts early access to our content or, um, you know, become part of our little community or just feel like you're doing a good deed for people that actually need, you know, some of these funds to keep doing the things they love and to keep our lives in order so we can have the sanity to do the things that we love. Please consider helping me out and helping the Geeks with Shields out. So love you guys and thank you so much. All right, nicely said. And I will leave all you listeners with horror tip number 78. If you're being haunted by a Japanese ghost, just give up. You're, it's not going to end well. <laughs>